the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Not only did he not remember Joseph, it says this, he never thought of him again. What can we learn from this story? Well, we've got that major truth takeaway. Remember what it is? You may feel like your life is off the rails, but your dreams can stay on track. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus Christ like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhillchurch.com. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. What will become of your dreams? That was the question asked of Joseph in the beginning of his scriptural story. But that's really a question that you and I should ask. But maybe you need to begin with this question. Do you have dreams? Have you really thought about what you would do, what you could do, what you should do for the glory of God? I like to think about dreams in this way. If you could do anything for the glory of God and you knew that you would not fail... What would you do? Would you write a book? Start a ministry? Develop a product? Open a company? Would you go on the mission field? I think the key word is there in the middle of that question, the glory of God. If you could do anything for the glory of God and you knew you would not fail, whatever your mind wanders to, wherever your thoughts take you, I believe those are the dreams that God is beginning to instill within you because I believe that you were created on purpose for a very special purpose. That's why I love this quote from Bob Goff. He says, dreams aren't what happens when we're asleep, but when we're fully awake to God's greater purposes in our lives. So what will become of your dreams? Sometimes we feel like our, our dreams are shattered. We, we face difficulties and our, our dreams begin to be broken. We, we face difficulty. And that's when we have to remember today's truth takeaway. Though you may feel like your life is off the rails, your dreams can stay on track. I love this quote by Jesse Owens. We all have dreams, but in order to make dreams come into reality, it takes an awful lot of determination, dedication, self-discipline, and effort. So think about that today. When you feel like your life is off the rails, your dreams can stay on track. They did for D.L. Moody. He was sitting listening to a sermon, much like you are today, when he heard the speaker say these words. The world has yet to see what God can do with one man who is utterly committed to him. Moody said in his heart, I propose to be that man. You would think after a person makes that kind of decision, after they make that kind of commitment to God, that their life would be easy, their dreams would be instantly fulfilled. But that's not exactly what happened for D.L. Moody. 
No, it was just a few days later that his house burned down and his church burned down. And that was just the beginning of some of the trials that he would face as he purposed to fulfill the dreams that God had for him. Maybe you feel that way today. You've got dreams in your heart and your mind, things that you feel like have been given to you by God. And, And yet, as you listen to these words today, They feel shattered. They feel broken. You don't know how you're going to go forward. I pray that you will persevere just like D.L. Moody did, and God did use him to change the world. I believe he can use you just like I pray he uses me. And that's what I want to pray for you and me right now. Let's pray together. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we gather again just asking you, meet us here wherever that may be. Oh, we long to be the church gathered again, but today scattered across our communities around the world, we come to you asking for your voice to be heard loud and clearly in our lives. Give us what we do not have as you teach us what we do not know. Make us what we've not yet become so that our lives may reflect your glory. I pray that for each person who will hear these words and I pray that for me today, Lord even as I pray that the words I say now and the thoughts I think are pleasing to you so that your perfect will can be accomplished through this time. Lord, I pray that today people will be freed from the prisons, the dungeons that have become barriers to their dreams. And most of all today, I pray that there's someone who will begin a life relationship with you because we've met here in this way. So God, we thank you in advance for answering those prayers and we ask all of this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen. Uh, Do I need to remind you of where we are in our story? Our biblical character, a man named Joseph when he was 17, the favored son of his father was thrown into a pit by his brothers. He was sold into slavery. He found himself in the home of the captain of the guard, a very powerful man. He was doing great, having great success because the Bible told us the Lord was with him. And, and yet one day, the, the guard's wife, Potiphar's wife, and she began to push herself on Joseph such a way and she did not like his refusals. And so as a result, she claimed that he was attempting to rape her. And at the end of our time together last week, we learned that Joseph was thrown into a dungeon. In fact, let's pick up there today. Genesis chapter 39, beginning in verse 19, Joseph has gone from being in charge to being charged. And this is what takes place. As soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant treated me, his anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison. Now think about that. Once again, Joseph finds himself in a a pit, in a prison, in a dungeon, in a difficult and dark place. And, And that's how I know that you and I can relate to this story because sometimes in life, we find ourselves in those types of places. What are your dungeons today? An illness? A relationship that's gonna rye? Emotional or mental pain. Maybe you're in the dungeon of depression. And maybe it's a job that's just become unsatisfying. Maybe you're in an educational pursuit that's taking you nowhere. 
or even an addiction and you feel chained in a dark place. Hey, I want to remind you, our truth takeaway today, though you may feel like your life is off the rails, your dreams can stay on track. So let's continue the story. Genesis 39, verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Did you hear those five life-changing words? The Lord was with Joseph. When the Lord is with you, what did we learn last time? Everything else is background noise. The Lord, it's that word Yahweh, which reminds us that God was saying to Joseph, I was with you, I am with you, I will always be with you. And the same is true of you and me if you've got that relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. He does not leave us. He, he does not forsake us. The Lord is with us. That, that's why, though you may feel like your life is off the rails, your dreams can stay on track. That's why Paul would say in Philippians 4.13, even in the midst of a jail himself, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Oh, if the Lord is on your side and he is with you, it doesn't matter what you're up against. It doesn't matter where you are because the Lord is with you. Now, by the end of chapter 39, Joseph is 27 years old. He's been on this journey that we began in the previous chapter for 10 years. He's no longer a 17-year-old boy. He's a mature young man, but the battle continues. Notice how the plot thickens in Genesis 40, beginning in verse 1. Sometime after this, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker committed an offense against their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. And he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them. And, and he attended them. And they continued for some time in custody. Now, now, this is actually an interesting development. He was put in prison by the captain of the guard. Who is the captain of the guard? Oh, why, it's Potiphar, of course. The person we've met in the previous chapter, the person that Joseph had worked for. Do you know what that tells us? That Potiphar would entrust Joseph even in the dungeon with great responsibility. It tells us that he had come to know Joseph, but it also tells us that he had known his wife pretty well, too. He had been married with her for a lot of years. And so while he had to respond to this accusation she made against Joseph, I don't think it's far-fetched to assume that maybe he thought his wife was out there. Maybe he had seen the way his wife had made advances at other men. And so even here in this moment of darkness in the dungeon, he, he gives Joseph this responsibility. Interesting development, right? Well, it is until you realize it, it wasn't really Potiphar that put Joseph in the dungeon. It's the one who was with him. If you've just joined us, you're listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. 
video of the message you're listening to is available when you click the Watch tab at MissionHillChurch.com. Thanks for sharing time with us and for sharing your financial gifts by clicking the Give button at MissionHillChurch.com. And now, with more of today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. I believe that God put him here. God was developing him. God was growing him. Prison was a training ground because God wasn't finished making Joseph into what he needed to be so that his dreams could be fulfilled. And here's a question you and I have to ask and answer. Are, are we willing to endure the prison moments of life so that we might be prepared for that which God has prepared for us? What if God wants to use your dungeons to bring you into his destiny for your life? This dungeon moment was described by the psalmist. Look again at, at Psalms 105 verse 17. Then he sent someone to Egypt ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They bruised his feet with fetters. They placed his neck in an iron collar until the time came to fulfill his dreams. The Lord tested Joseph's character. I don't know what you're facing today. You may feel like your dungeon is pretty dark. I just want to remind you, though you may feel like your life is off the rails, your dreams can stay on track. Let's look in verse 5 of chapter 40. Genesis 40, verse 5, and one night they both dreamed. This is the cupbearer and the baker. The cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt who were confined in the prison, each his own dream, and each dream with its own interpretation. And when Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were in custody in his master's house, why are your faces downcast today? I want to pause right there and just tell you something you need to learn from this passage. Joseph is a great model of leadership and character and he teaches us here that empathy is an essential element of Christ-like character. Yeah, you have to learn to feel with others, not to be cold-hearted to what they're going through. And we know this is Christ-like because over and over again, we would see Christ show empathy, whether it was with his disciples or, or with the one he loved, Lazarus, upon seeing and hearing of his death, or, or whether it's this passage in Matthew 23, 37, where he says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers, how often I've wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings. Standing out over the holy city, Jesus empathized with them. Remember, Joseph is a type of Christ, and we see that Christ-like character here. So he sees that they are downtrodden, and he asks them, what's going on? Hey, that reminds me of something else. It's just a life truth I try to live by, though. Your circumstances don't have to dictate or determine your countenance. Occasionally, I'll talk to someone, and, and I'll say, how are you doing? And with a mopey-dopey Eeyore face, they say something like this, well, I'm okay under the circumstances. I always want to say, well, get out from under there. What are you doing under the circumstances? Your circumstances, your situation in life doesn't determine your success, and your circumstances, they don't have to determine your countenance. Let's get back to the story. Verse eight, they said to him, we've had dreams and there's no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? 
please tell them to me. Hey, this is interesting because this is one of the places in Joseph's story where we see that he had a close connection with God. One of the other places was in verse nine of chapter 39 when when he said to Potiphar's wife, "I, I can't do this with you because it will be a sin against my great God. But here we're reminded that though he doesn't have a Bible, he has a word from God. God had revealed himself to him in this dream. And in you and I, we have the word of God. And God speaks to us. And God's word gets us through the difficult and the dark and the depressing dungeon moments of life. We've been walking through this worldwide pandemic and and I've been so encouraged day after day as I get into God's word and just see how with great freshness he can speak to me through his word. So Joseph's aware of this. He's aware of God's word to him. Notice what takes place in the following verses. Beginning in verse 12, it says, Joseph said to him, this is the interpretation. He's telling him the interpretation because the cupbearer had a dream that was hard to understand. It's interesting. The cupbearer, like Nehemiah, was the one who would test the wine before the king or the pharaoh would drink it so that if there was poison in in the cup, the cupbearer would die. And so it's no surprise that the cupbearer's dream was about a vine and branches and about grapes. And so he has this dream, and it involves three branches, and Joseph takes the opportunity to interpret this. Notice what he says. Joseph said to him, this is the interpretation. The three branches are three days, and three days Pharaoh will lift up your head, restore you to office, and you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand as formerly when you were his cupbearer. Only remember me when it's well with you. Please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh, so get me out of this house. For I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also I've done nothing that they should have put me in the pit. Now, a couple things interesting in this passage. First of all is this understanding from Joseph that he has this gift from God to explain what was taking place in this dream. So he gives the cupbearer the good news that, hey, your dream is simply telling you you're going to get out of prison here in just a few days. Second thing that takes place in this conversation is that Joseph says, when you get out, remember me. I I like this part of the story because we we tend to look at these biblical characters and, and make them so much bigger than life, we forget their humanity. Joseph was fully human, just like me and you, and, and here we see that humanity as he, he says, hey, this is not fair. This was not right. I shouldn't be here. Let Pharaoh know what I've done so that I can get out and go on with my life. And then that part of the conversation ends. Well, after that, the baker figures that went, that turned out well for the cupbearer. I want some of this action too. And, and so the baker says, my dream was such that there were these baskets of bread. Isn't it interesting? The baker had dreams about bread. Not surprising because you and I, we dream about our work, don't we? The baker had dreams about bread and baskets. And, and he says that the birds would come and, and they would take the bread from the baskets that were on his head. And, and Joseph then goes to interpret his dream. Look at verse 20. On the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for all of his servants and lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants, and he restored the chief cupbearer to his position, and he placed the cup in the Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet 
the cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Wow. I, I like stories that end with the bow tied nightly, nicely on top of the, the present. I, I like stories that climax and then have a happy ending. And, and thus far, we're not to a happy ending because one of the translations I read says not only did, did he not remember Joseph, it, it says this, he never thought of him again. What a story. What, what can we learn from this story? Well, we, we've got that major truth takeaway. Remember what it is? You may feel like your life is off the rails, but your dreams can stay on track. We've read the full story, and so we know that Joseph's dreams were on track. We know that everything's going to turn out okay, because in Genesis chapter 50, he says even to his brothers, hey, what you intended for evil, God brought about for good. But what if you're in the middle of it? What if right here, right now, you feel like, I can't see how my dreams are going to come true. I don't believe how God can get any glory out of my life. How how could this work together, not only for my good, but for any good? How do I make sure my dreams are, are staying on track? Let me just give you four things I learned from this story. Here's the first one. When you see your pain as a price of your faith, your dream is still on track. When you see your pain as a price of your faith, your dream is still on track. I want you to think about this. What does your faith cost you? And what is the value of a faith that costs you nothing? We're living in a day where more people are persecuted for their faith around the world than ever before in history. Even this week, people lost their lives because of the testimony that they had for their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. What does your faith cost you? And what's the value of a faith that costs you nothing? I'm not talking about your salvation, because that's a free gift. The Bible says it wasn't earned or deserved, for by grace are you saved through faith. It's a gift of God, not of your works. But then when you begin to be sanctified, when you begin to be transformed into that image of Christ, that's when there's a price to be paid. So what about you? Has it, has it cost you a job? Has it cost you relationships? Does it cause you to sacrifice from some of the things you might would do with the income you earned because you give? You, you give of tithes and you give of offerings. What is the price that you're willing to pay? Think about Joseph. Here he was, he had done right. He had said no to Potiphar's wife. And yet he ended up in the dungeon anyway. He found himself in prison. You've probably thought some of what he may have thought. Is this what I get for doing right? Is this the response to living a life of integrity? This is not fair. He had resisted temptation. He had acted on principle, not on pragmatism. You remember his principle in verse nine. He says, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? This was a good man. He had lived by that saying that I've heard for so many years. It's always right to do right. In fact, F.B. Meyer 
said this, do right because it's right to do right, because God sees you, because it puts gladness into the heart, and, and, and then when you're misunderstood and ill-treated, you will not swerve or sit down to whine and despair. I think that's what Peter was talking about in First Peter chapter 2 and verse 20 when it says, for what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis, an outreach of Mission Hill Church. If you're looking for answers to difficult questions or searching for a church home, you're invited to any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. Details and directions at missionhillchurch.com. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhillchurch.com and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhillchurch.com. Weekdays at 9 a.m. Be encouraged by The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk, a.m. 570 and 910.